Section 10 of Kentucky's Famous Feuds and Tragedies by Charles G. Mutzenberg. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Kentucky's Famous Feuds and Tragedies by Charles G. Mutzenberg. Section 10 The Tolliver Martin Logan Vendetta. Part 1. The Tolliver Martin Logan Vendetta. Rowan County. The royal murder at Sarajevo was the spark that set the world on fire. It would be silly, however, to place the blame of the world war upon it. To find the real causes of the appalling tragedy, one must go further back. So it is with the great Rowan County War. There were many agency at work that contributed, little by little, but nonetheless surely, to that state of anarchy which disgraced Rowan County and Kentucky during the eighties. The evil influences which initiated it were politics and whiskey. A weak-kneed, yea, corrupt administration of justice permitted its continuation. The reign of terror which continued so long unhindered could have been crushed in its infancy with any sort of an honest, determined effort at law enforcement. A verse or two of Mulligan's In Kentucky finds excellent application here. The bluegrass waves the bluest in Kentucky, yet blue bloods are the fewest in Kentucky. Moonshine is the clearest, by no means the dearest, and yet it acts the queerest in Kentucky. The dove notes are the saddest in Kentucky. The streams dance in the gladdest in Kentucky. Hip pockets are the thickest, pistol hands the slickest, the cylinder turns quickest in Kentucky. The songbirds are the sweetest in Kentucky. The thoroughbreds are fleetest in Kentucky. Mountains tower proudest, thunder peals the loudest, the landscape is the grandest, and politics the damnedest in Kentucky. In the long-continued struggle which brought Rowan County into disrepute, many families of high reputation, men of wealth and influence, as well as men of reckless, undaunted, desperate character, were pitted against each other. Officers of the law, lawyers, judges, and politicians of more than ordinary ability and reputation quarreled, disputed, and excited such unreasoning passion as to result in bloodshed. After that, the dogged, stubborn determination of the different factions admitted of no other settlement of the controversy save by the arbitrament of arms, a war to the death. Patrick Henry cried out before the Virginia Convention, Gentlemen may cry peace, peace, but there is no peace. In Rowan County, too, men cried continually for peace, yet there was to be no peace until anarchy had almost depopulated the county and its name had become synonymous with outlawry. The only alternative left was to leave the county or fight. Some did leave. Most of them remained and fought fought with a courage worthy of a better cause. The courts appeared powerless. The officers were themselves bitter partisans. The government of the state, 
when applied to for troops to assist in restoring order, sometimes refused aid, owing to a technicality in the law, and thus was precipitated the famous bloody battle at Moorhead, in which many men were killed and wounded. It may be well to add that Rowan County was not a remote, inaccessible region where civilization had made but little progress, as was the case along the border of West Virginia and Kentucky, the scene of the Hatfield-McCoy War. Good roads and railroad communication had introduced to Rowan County, even then a civilization which should have made the bloody conflict impossible. It certainly made it inexcusable. It is difficult to produce a fair picture of the political upheavals and complications which eventually led to and resulted in so much bloodshed without going behind the actual outbreak of the feud. While this necessitates the narration of incidents of purely local interest, and may, therefore, not grip the interest of outsiders, a patient reading of it will develop the fact that it is indispensable to a true understanding of the history of this war, and also that it teaches a moral. As early as 1874, political quarrels arose, engendering bitter hatred between prominent, wealthy, and influential men of Rowan and surrounding counties, at that time it was hoped and generally believed that the difficulties would be forgotten as soon as the heat of the political contests had abated. But as the years passed, factional division grew more and more pronounced. Citizens who had theretofore held aloof from the disputes were gradually and surely drawn into the vortex of strife. As is usual and unavoidable under such circumstances, many desperate degraded characters attached themselves to the various factions these would commit deeds for pay from the commission of which the more circumspect employers of them shrank in fear in such wars the hired assassin always finds lucrative employment he becomes the blind tool of the coward with the money and the greater the compensation the more horrible his crimes. The innocent but direct cause of the political struggle to which we must refer was the Honorable Thomas F. Hargis, who in after years rose to the highest judicial position in the state. His father, before him, served in the Constitutional Convention of the state in 1849 and was a very distinguished Kentuckian. When the Great Rebellion broke out, Kentucky soon began to suffer the distress and horrors of civil war. It at first declared its intention to remain neutral. Governor McGoffin refused to furnish troops to the Union Army and attempted to enforce neutrality by maintaining a home guard. This brought on many conflicts with the state guards. It became at once apparent that the two bodies of troops were nothing more than partisans. The home guards often employed their military power and authority in harassing and mistreating actual or suspected sympathizers with the cause of the South. The state guards, on the other hand, used their influence and made every exertion toward turning the tide of public sentiment in favor of the Confederacy. 
the sudden invasion of kentucky by the federal troops was greeted with joy by the home guards who made no attempt to repel it or to preserve the state's neutrality for which purpose they had been organized the larger portion of the home guards in fact at once joined the union army the state guards disbanded and a majority of them joined the confederates the division of kentucky was now complete in the general rush to opposing armies we find thomas hargis donning the gray and fighting for the lost cause as captain until the close of the war returning home he studied law and was admitted to the bar the date of this admission an unimportant point it may seem was nevertheless responsible for the internecine strife of after years in the year eighteen seventy four captain hargis who had already won prominence as a lawyer of ability and sagacity was nominated by the democratic party as its candidate for judge of the circuit court opposed to hargis in this race was george m thomas afterwards united states district attorney for the district of kentucky he was the nominee of the republican party the race was exceedingly hot and spirited from the beginning the contest became bitter it was charged by the friends of thomas among whom were not only the republicans whose nominee and choice he was but enemies of hargis in the ranks of his own party that he was not eligible to the office because he had not attained the requisite age and that he was still further disqualified from holding the position of circuit judge because he had not been licensed as a lawyer for a sufficient number of years these reports were industriously circulated against him appreciating the danger of such a rumor in a contest like this was and knowing that only a prompt refutation and repudiation of the charges could prevent his signal and disastrous defeat he hastened to obtain copies of the records of his age and of the date of his admission to the bar from the records of the clerk's office at the time of his candidacy hargis was a resident of carlisle nicholas county but when admitted to the practice of the law had resided in rowan county so the records of his admission to the bar must be obtained there he therefore went at once to moorhead and instituted an examination of the records but to his consternation it revealed the astounding fact that the only record and evidence of his admission to the bar had been mutilated and destroyed the pages containing them had been cut off from the books added to this was the unwelcome discovery that the family bible had also been mutilated in so far as it contained the record of his age the charges of ineligibility had been widely circulated and published in the newspapers and hargis's inability to refute them for lack of record evidence now gave them the stamp and color of truth the republicans and the personal enemies of hargis among the democrats were jubilant while his friends flatly and broadly accused thomas's friends and supporters of the crime of stealing and destroying public records this further increased the already bitter feeling 
the friends of thomas now charged that if any such records had ever existed hargis himself had stolen and destroyed them the result of it all was that hargis was defeated by his republican opponent and this in a district theretofore always safely democratic the close of the contest brought out another truth no longer to be denied or overlooked every circumstance and condition existing after the election pointed clearly to the fact that something more than factional political animosity common in all hotly contested races for position had been awakened and that in the hearts of many malice had taken deep root each succeeding election only augmented the bitter feeling desire for revenge and what at first seemed but political excitement and zeal for the favored candidate now caused friends of old to cancel their friendship and the most prominent leaders of the opposing factions regarded each other no longer as merely political but as personal enemies in the year 1876, the legislature of Kentucky created a circuit court for Commonwealth proceedings alone, the new district being composed of the same counties as the old. Hargis again announced himself a candidate for judge of the newly organized court. This time he was elected with an easy majority. He continued in this office, which he filled with signal ability, until in the spring of 1879, when an event took place which opened to him the road to still higher honors, and also still further fanned the flame of political and personal strife. The event referred to was the vacancy created on the bench of the Court of Appeals as the result of a tragedy enacted upon the streets of the capital of the state at Frankfurt the assassination of appellate judge j m elliot by one thomas bufford the tragic death of this able jurist horrified all kentucky his slayer pleaded insanity the trial jury on first ballot stood six for conviction and six for acquittal on the ground of insanity finally the verdict of the whole jury declared him insane he was transferred to the asylum at Anchorage, where he remained but a short time. He escaped to Indiana, where he remained because our requisition laws were then not sufficient to enforce his return to Kentucky. End of Section 10